0: Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are here to worship you. We magnify and exalt your name. Throughout all generations, your people have worshipped you. Teach us again what it is to worship. Help us to find our place as we learn. Teach us how to worship. And Lord, may you be glorified in our worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's a, a word that I heard for the first time during COVID, uh, during the pandemic, that uh, I had never heard before, and I kind of like it. The word is unhomed. Have you heard this expression before? Have you heard it at all? Unhomed essentially means to be without a home. It's used for people especially who feel like they don't have a political home in any political party. In a very real sense, they feel like they no longer have uh, a home there because none of the parties seem to represent their views anymore. And so they call themselves unhomed. Uh, And I like that word because I think it also applies to some people in the Christian church I think a lot of people have felt a little bit unhomed, or that they don't fit into their spiritual home quite as well as they used to. Uh, they hear church people saying things and holding on to beliefs that seem incompatible with Christian faith, and they they don't really know what to do with that. And then the unsettling nature of of being away during the uh, pandemic, you know, and then coming back and getting reestablished, and that took so long. Um, It just feels a little strange. Uh, You know, when Christians begin, especially very loud and proud in the media, when Christians begin to express very unbiblical views and attitudes, uh, a person may begin to feel like they don't fit among God's people. Not as much as they did before. They feel a little unhomed. You know, society often tells you one thing and then the church is telling you something else and and you have this struggle that goes on between popular culture and what God has to say and that, that can make you feel a little disconnected as well. I think it's part of what has led to what they are calling currently the deconstruction movement. That may be another phrase you've heard of where people sort of look at their faith, deconstruct their faith, take it apart and look at it to see if there's something that doesn't really belong there. You know, we absorb culture as Christians and so sometimes we bring culture into our church or into the church in general that doesn't really fit and, and we can create an environment where God is less welcome. And so are some of our people. Some of our young people are especially feeling this kind of tension. Everybody needs to find a place to fit. And we're going to be talking about this through the first part of the summary here. You need to find a fit not only within the church, but, but also an understanding of how your faith fits into God's plan as you move through daily life. You know, you're not in here all week. You're out there. You're in the world. You're, in, you're moving through places where sometimes it's hostile to God. And so we need to have a pretty good understanding of how our faith in God fits into his plan and how that plan works as we go through our daily lives. We need to understand how it's relevant to what we're doing and to who we are. So uh, let me ask you a question right off here. Have you ever felt... That you didn't maybe quite fit in any situation. You ever ask yourself that question, where do I fit? Especially about God's plans. Where do I fit into God's plans? Where do I fit into his greater plan for the church of God? Maybe you don't always think like that person sitting you, sitting across from you in the aisle over there. You know? Well, that person might be a Democrat. Or that person over there might be a Republican. Or that person over there might have some other view. You know, we don't always think like each other on every subject. Maybe you're at opposite ends of some spectrums. Maybe you're finding questions in the world around you that cause you to question who you are as a Christian. And maybe you're asking yourself, where do I fit in this church, in this place, Well, what I wanna do in this series is return to some of the basics. Uh, We believe that how and why God created us and how he created his church can be summarized in about five basic ways. Uh, We call them purposes or reasons to live. We've got them up there on the wall here in the sanctuary and we're gonna put them up here on the screen as well. There are five areas for which God made you in particular. And before you can answer some of those troubling questions I think that you get in your mind sometimes, you need to understand something about each of these areas. Uh, Oops, somebody anticipated me. Worship, outreach, discipleship, community, and ministry. Those are the five parts. Now, you were made by God for all of these things, all of them. Everything that God commands you to do is related to one of these five areas. And everything that you're going to do in life is related to one of these five areas, maybe not in the positive, maybe in the negative. So quickly, worship has to do with who you love and who you serve. Outreach is about going beyond yourself and, and sharing that love and also about reflecting the one who made you. God created you also to learn and to grow, and that's discipleship, isn't it? And it's also about being and becoming what God meant you to be, and, and maybe teaching that to others, passing it on. Community is about not being alone. You ever feel alone? Community is the place where God intends us to find the love and support and the encouragement of other people. You know, nobody is an island universe. That's a a term that was coined by Aldous Huxley. We aren't an island. We're not alone in this world. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be together, and that's community. And finally, ministry is about that unique way that God gifted you to serve him and others in this church and in this world through life. So today, we want to talk about some of these, well, well, particularly, we want to talk about worship, which is one of the most basic things that we need in our lives, because it's also something that God wired into you. It's the most important thing. It's the ground-level thing. You were made for worship. You were made to worship God, to glorify God to bring glory to him. Do you know that anthropologists have gone all over the world and they've they've literally investigated thousands of people groups looking at this question of religion and worship? And what they've found is that virtually every single one of them has shown that they worship something or someone. There is a universal need to worship. Uh, Don Richardson Has called that eternity in their hearts. I read a recent study the other day. It was very long and very technical and kind of tedious, and the study basically came to the same conclusion that I think we already knew in the Christian church, and that is that God has hardwired us to worship. Now, they didn't say God, but they did say that everybody does it. Everybody worships. Uh, We have a need for religion of some kind. We understand that God made us that way. And no matter what, you are going to worship something. Now, if you don't serve God, you're going to end up serving something or someone else. Like the old Bob Dylan song, you know, you got to serve somebody. That's how God made you. But let's get a definition of worship up here, just so we can kind of get this clear in our mind. Here's a very secular version of that definition. To honor or show reverence for Uh, a person as a divine being or supernatural power. And the second one is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Well, that's Merriam-Webster. Baker would say something different and points out that the definition doesn't quite cut it because worship in the Bible is a little more than that. Worship in the Bible is both an attitude and an action, isn't it? First of all, worship starts on the inside. It starts inside of you. It starts in that place where you have feelings and understanding. It's not a mindless experience. It engages you, both your head and your heart. A lot of religions in the world use the word meditation, right? We meditate on this and we meditate on that. Many religions like Buddhism have a a worship meditation that tries to empty the mind. But Christian meditation is is the polar opposite to that. Christian meditation focuses the mind. We meditate on something that God has said or on something that God has written in Scripture or on an attribute of God or just just about who God is. There are so many things that, that we could be meditating on that focus us in the right direction, that focus our worship on God. Our worship involves both the mind and the heart. You know, sometimes we we think about worship only as a feeling thing. But it involves both parts of that. You know, the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well, what does he say to her? He says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So how do we understand that passage? Here's how I understand this passage. You will worship God who is spirit with your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our worship is grounded in the truth of what God has revealed about himself. Amen? Amen. He revealed it through his word and by his spirit and so when we worship in spirit and in truth we're we're worshiping with something deep and sometimes undefinable down in here but we're also worshiping with this part up here at the same time we're engaged with it you know in that situation where he was talking to the woman at the well uh, he was saying to her you know there's going to be a time where the temple doesn't really matter much because your body will be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will dwell inside of you. And you will worship in spirit and in the spirit and in truth. When God created human beings in Genesis 2 7, it says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. There are several different words for breath in the old testament but they all have some relationship to spirit when god created humans he breathed something of himself into adam he gave adam life but something in that became damaged in the fall when adam rebelled so that when we come to jesus when we are born again born of the spirit Our human spirit is made fully alive again. And we can have a real relationship with God's spirit who comes to live in every believer. This is a very, very important thing to understand because when we worship, there is a direct connection with God's spirit. It's why sometimes it feels so intense to worship. You are God-directed, God-focused, Holy Spirit-powered, engaged directly with God himself when your whole head and your whole heart is engaged in worship. Worship's not some abstract concept for us. When we're worshiping in spirit or in the spirit, we're worshiping truly. We're worshiping the one true God. But worship is not something we do alone. I mean, we can do it alone, but it's not something we always do alone, is it? Psalm 34 and verse 3, that's the verse on our banner on the wall. It says, glorify the Lord with me. That's how we started today. Let us exalt his name together. This is a call to worship, a call to worship together. When we worship God, we're not just connected with God. We're drawn to one another, aren't we? So there's this going on, but there's also this horizontal relationship that's going on. And when we're really worshiping God, when we're fully engaged, God draws us together by his Holy Spirit. We are connected spirit to spirit by the Holy Spirit living in me and the Holy Spirit living in you and in your neighbor. And as we worship together, we are drawn together. And that's why sometimes... Worship can make us feel awesomely close with one another when we've had a time where we're really worshiping God. By the same token, not worshiping in that way, not being fully engaged, not worshiping with our hearts and our minds both engaged. If you're not doing that and everybody else is doing that, it can make you feel completely alone and on the outside. You ever had that experience where you... You walk in and you're just not engaged yet, but, but the room is engaged. And it feels almost chilling because you're on the outside of that. But when we come to know Jesus, that all changes. We, we go through that door and we're able to worship God together. I remember very early in my Christian life, Learning how to sing hymns and choruses and things, I, I didn't know how to do most of that stuff. I came to the Lord when I was in my early twenties and and uh, you know going to church and learning how to sing all of these songs, it was it was almost magical to me. You know, it was it was a wondrous experience to me. As I was coming into church, I would be anticipating it all the time. I was newborn, I was hungry, I was ready for this, and and it just it made my heart full and and it sometimes it was overwhelming because it was so new to me this experience of talking to God and sharing in worship together sometimes i felt like my chest would explode it was almost too much sometimes when i went to college that's where i really learned to to sing and and learned to worship you know we We'd sing in chapel almost every day. And I felt so close to these Christian brothers and sisters. You know, sometimes I couldn't sing because I'd get so choked up the tears would be coming down because of this intense feeling of what worship really can be. Sometimes, sometimes, when we're young especially, and we're zealously putting our whole hearts into it, it can set the pace for the rest of our lives. What a difference it makes when we're really worshiping God. What a difference it makes when we put our whole heart into it. What a difference it makes when we're worshiping together In our first church, um, I used to sometimes get upset because it felt some Sunday mornings like we were just going through the motions. It's an older, traditional church, and and, uh, we'd be singing, and I'd look out, and I would just see that people were not putting their hearts into it. They were just kind of going through the motions, and I would stop the worship leader, and I would stop the musicians, and I would talk to the congregation, and I would say to them, we're talking to God here. We're singing to God here. We're worshiping together. Let's put our, all of us into this. I wanted to just see if we could step it up a notch from a funeral march. You know? After a while, Bonnie got on my case. <laughs> She's sitting up there. <laughs> she made me stop because she said that I was disturbing the herd. <laughs> you, know, you know the herd? You know, just going through the motions. Nothing really going on. Garage doors open, lights are on, but nobody's home. I felt like we weren't worshiping with our whole hearts and minds engaged. We needed to engage because worship starts on the inside. It starts in here, but then it comes out, doesn't it? It comes out there. Now, you don't have to be dancing in the aisles. You can dance. It's okay. You can dance. You know, you see me up here on Sunday mornings, I'm swaying to the music, you know, and, and, and if it's really an exciting piece of music, I feel like I want to move my feet. If some Sunday up here you see me doing the electric slide, you know, I really got blessed <laughs> doing the boogie hustle or whatever. It comes out. If you're worshiping God in here, it comes out. It shows. You can't keep it in. I started my professional life working in radio and television. And and when I worked in radio, I I found out that there was a secret. I did a whole lot of commercials, probably a couple of hundred of them. And and I learned very early on the secret of the smile. And the secret of the smile is that when you smile, when you're speaking or recording something, people at the other end who can't even see you can hear you. Your smile. You ever experienced that? You listen to the radio, you just feel really attached to that person because they're smiling and you can tell. So I learned to smile a lot in the recording studio. When we're worshiping God fully engaged, people around you hear it and they feel it. And it helps them to worship God too. It's not the style of the music. It's not the tempo of the music. We all have our favorites for all of that stuff. But that's not it. It's you in the music, it's you in worship. Now, I'm going to tell you this because I love you. But for heaven's sake, some Sunday mornings, you worshipers almost put us to sleep up here on the platform. I'm serious, you know? Some Sundays, you are downright boring. I'm serious about that. Wake up so we can wake up up here. I mean, I'm afraid that some Sunday I'm going to have to go to the back and get one of those little busy bags and bring it up here with me and do some coloring during the sermon just to stay awake. Because we got to engage God with our own heart, with our own mind, to be fully in it. And when we do that, Man, stuff happens. We give each other more energy. Our spirit boosts the other person's spirit. Gives it a jump start so we won't be falling asleep. And and can I give you another piece of advice? Try to smile. Because some Sundays up here, it looks like you come in sucking on a lemon. Smile. You love God, don't you? (laughs) All right. When we worship, we do a lot of singing, don't we? I mean, it's only natural. Did you know that in Zephaniah 3.17, it says that God sings over you? That God sings over you. Look it up, Zephaniah 3.17. Let me put it up here, one of the versions, ESV here. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. And he will quiet you by his love. That means he'll give you peace. He will exalt over you. With loud singing. Now in Hebrew it literally says he will joy over you. (laughs) I like that. He's going to joy all over you. This is what it says When God's people return to God with their full hearts, he rejoices, he exalts over you with loud singing. Think about that. Think about God singing over you as you're singing to him. That's worship. That's engagement with God. In worship, we are drawn to our creator who made us. He's given us a capacity for worship. And he made us to worship. You know, worship is is found musically all through the Bible, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. All kinds of music going on. And it's not just one style or one kind of an expression. There are all kinds of things that are coming out as worship. Sing to the Lord a new song. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Now, you may not be able to sing well, but you can clap, can't you? I'll get there. You know, you can clap, you can shout. You guitar players, it says here in Psalm 33, 3, that you can worship him by playing skillfully. You know? Praise him with trumpets and Harps and lyres and tambourines and drums and banging loud cymbals and strings and pipes and even dancing. Colossians 3.23 even suggests that your work can be worship. And so can much of anything else if you do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. God made you for worship. When he brought you back to himself through salvation, he remade you for worship. That part of us that got damaged through the fall of Adam, God brings to repair. And that part of our spirit that is dead, he brings alive. And we have that connection. There is a, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and there's this co-mingling going on inside of us between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. And worship acknowledges that and lets it out. Lets it out. There's a really great article in Bakers that says this. I wanna put this quote up because it's, it's so cool. Christianity is the transformation of rebels into worshipers of God. I love that because I was a rebel, and so were you. Before we knew Jesus personally, we were were rebelling against him. We were not following him. We were in sin until we knew God, until we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Rebels become worshipers of God. So where do I fit in? (laughs) Where do I fit into all this stuff? How do I find my fit? Somewhere in this reason for being that God created you for, this worship thing, somewhere in there is a place for you. God made you a worshiper. And some of you were pretty good rebels, so I'm sure you're going to be pretty good worshipers on the other end because it's the rebels who really understand what they've had forgiven and how much love God has poured out on you. You really understand it. Worship him. Worship him. If you've been doing a little deconstructing of your faith, let me help you in the reconstructing part. You should never stop with deconstructing. It's okay to take a good look at our faith and to remove the things that have nothing at all to do with God's teaching in the Word or God's intentions for your life. It's okay to take some of those things out because they're peripheral. But let's not remove everything and then say that's where God wants you. So let me give you this first building block today. Let's start with the really important puzzle piece. It's worship. It's the core reason God created you. Worship God with your heart. Worship God out loud. Worship God with your mind. Worship God when you're alone. Worship God together with other people. Worship God in whatever way that God created you uniquely because you have unique gifts and abilities that the next person to you doesn't have. So worship God out of that uniqueness that God created in you. Worship him in your actions and in your thoughts, with your words and with your songs, and even with your work. Worship is a part of your reason for being. Now, maybe your gifts cross over into this worship area, as we talked about a little insert in the bulletin this morning, and you're going to find there's some worship stuff on that. There are several worship areas in which you can serve. This is a practical way that you can live out this worship part that you have. One of the most important ones that we have right now is helping to lead our children in worship. To help give our children a place to worship through the summer. You know, Kathy's been doing this for something like 26, 27 years. I'm a lot of the time on her own. And hardly ever gets a break. So this year, she's taking a break through September, which is a great thing. We encourage that. But that means we need people to help to take care of and lead our children in worship. We do that during this time on Sunday mornings. And there's a sign-up sheet out there. Just sign up for one. We need four more to fill the summer. That's awesome, awesome news. I'm glad to hear that, Shelly. So four of you or one of you twice, or two of you three times. Okay, that doesn't add up, but (laughs) You could help with that particular part. And there's other things on there. If you go to the bottom of that list that's in, in your bulletin insert, there's a whole section on worship and things that we need to help each other worship well together. Getting involved in helping with worship, you might find it's a great way to renew your heart for worship. God made you to worship. And no matter who you are or what your gifts are, you're created that way. You're wired that way. And worship needs to be a major part of who you are as you go forward in Christian life. In a moment, we're going to be continuing our worship by sharing in the Lord's Supper. And you might wonder, why do we do this every month? (laughs) Hey, first of the month, we almost always have communion or the Lord's Supper. Why do we do that? And how come most of the time we use the same words in the same way? Well, let me tell you that you should think of it as sacred storytelling. What we're doing when we take communion together is we're retelling an event in the life of Jesus. It's a sacred event that's so important that we tell it over and over. It reminds us of the crucifixion of Jesus, of his shed blood to pay the penalty for our sin, his broken body in our place, and his resurrection. The sharing of the Lord's Supper is a pretty big part of our worship together. So we're going to start our time together with prayer, and uh, this is a great time for you to renew your commitment to God. You can do that through Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's a a really good day to do it, a good time to do it. We're going to have some silent prayer at a moment, that might be a good time to talk to God and say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my heart and in my life. Please forgive my sins and come in to live in me. It's as simple as that, an invitation. That's not the be-all and end-all. That's the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. And once you receive Jesus, the things that we talked about today, they, they begin to make a whole lot more sense because we really only worship or experience deep worship when we come to know the Lord Jesus. Now, if you've been carrying a a load of guilt around for a while, this is a good place to dump it, to get rid of it, to receive Jesus' forgiveness for it. All you got to do is offer it up to him and say, Lord, forgive my sin and fill me with your spirit. You know that verse I talked about in Zephaniah 3.17 In one of the translations, it says that when God sings over us, we are refreshed. We're refreshed. Don't we need refreshing? When we confess our sins to God and when we renew our covenant with Jesus, we are refreshed and we are fully able to engage God in worship. So let's pray together. I'm going to stop in a moment and give you a quiet time just to talk to God by yourself in your own heart, and then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, we are here to worship you, and we confess that we are not always what we should be. We don't always worship you in full spirit and truth. Lord, receive our spirits in offering. Please forgive our sins. In these silent moments, please receive our hearts. Lord, we come to you for salvation, and we receive your promise of eternal life through Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your love. Cleanse our hearts and ready our spirits to receive you in this sacred story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.